buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I'm excited for today's guest. As always, I've got Alexine Mudoir. She's in B2B SaaS sales. She also was recognized as the top 100 LinkedIn sales stars and recognized as the Chicago 50 on fire and co-founder of Women in Sales Club. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Colin. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, prospecting. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to talk about time management and planning, which is, I think, essential and so important for everybody in sales. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into that as well. But before we get started, just give everybody the Cliff Notes version of your sales story. Yeah. So I have been in tech sales for just over eight years now. I don't know if I changed my profile yet because it was seven, but now it's eight. Um, and yeah, I've been working predominantly for high growth startups uh, and it's been a total adventure. It's been really fun, but I've spent the bulk of my career really doing full cycle sales. So running the gamut of scheduling my own meetings through closing those and even some of the management at the end. So um, so it's been really fun. It's been an adventure and I love prospecting. So I think you and I will geek out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me, you, you mainly worked in full cycle sales. What, you know, there's, there's some people that, that love that. And then there's others that love sort of the, you know, breaking, breaking the tasks up more of like the SDR, BDR, and, mm -hmm. and then the AE. Do you have a preference and, and what do you think the benefits are of just like running full cycle sales and things like that? Yeah, so I'll preface this by saying I'm definitely biased. So when I started out my first tech sales role, I wasn't full cycle sales. Mm -hmm. So like the SDR, BDR model, like hadn't really grown legs yet. It wasn't really yeah. there yet. So um, there was no choice. You kind of started out as an AE booking your own meeting. So I had like basically a full SDR meeting booking quota alongside a revenue quota. And I'm actually super grateful for that. Like it did get crazy at times. There were days I was doing 175 cold calls and like, did I have fun on those days? Not necessarily, but at the same time, I think I learned so much about the fundamentals and like I ran my own demos. So I was learning how to conduct demos as well. So you really got that full, that full experience of everything. And then even some of that account management afterwards of like learning how to actually take care and upsell accounts too. So for me, I, I really like the full cycle sales. Uh, model. I think that there are certain businesses that 
the SDR BDR function works really well. So I would remit, be remiss not to call that out. Um, I think for me, I'm always going to be a full cycle sales rep. I mean, it doesn't really matter if there's one SDR or a hundred, like I'm always going to feel like I need to own my own number. And then, you know, whatever meetings I get on top of that, that's fantastic. And I add that to my funnel. But for me, I, I'm a little bit of a control freak. So it's very difficult mm -hmm. for me to put my potential earnings in the hands of anybody other than myself. All right. We're going to get along better than I thought because <laughs> I'm the same way. Um, I'm a bit of a control freak as well. And I like to, I like to book my own meetings and like, you know, I mean, even if you get to the, it, it, you know, where, where it does make sense with the SDR, BDR and, and the AE and kind of separating some of those tasks and responsibilities, you know, as an AE, like you still got to book meetings. You're never going to get enough meetings, but, um, it's kind of, I always kind of joke, like, you know, you see those ads or gurus or people, you know, spamming, whatever, talking about, you know, never make a cold call again. I'm like, why would you want to do that? Like, yeah. I actually enjoy making cold calls and have fun with it. And not everybody does, and that's okay. Um, but I know it's something that you're pretty passionate about as well. So what are some of the things that you learned early on? What are some things that, like, people just getting into sales or maybe struggling with that part of those top funnel activities? Like, what, what sort of advice do you have for them? Yeah, so, yeah, we are going to get along well because I also like cold calling. Like, there's something <laughs> just really fun about it. And, so, yeah, like, not everybody's even friendly when you cold call, obviously. But at the same time, like, those really fun, awesome meetings and uncovering new opportunities is, like, what really gets me energized. So I think, you know, from my experience, like, when I started out, I didn't know anything about technology. Like, I was coming from retail because I assumed I was going to go into retail buying. And then I ended up liking sales, went mm -hmm. right into tech sales. And I had no idea what any of this was. So like cold calling, a platform, what a demo was, like all of it was completely foreign to me. So I think, you know, that's good to, you know, for anybody that's out there that's like, I don't know about tech sales, like I'm not tech savvy. I, I wasn't either. And some may say I still not today. So, um, but I think it's an incredible career. So as far as like actually learning some of those fundamentals of prospecting mm -hmm. and getting acclimated, I, I don't think there is any other way. Like it's it's like that phrase, the only way out is through. Like you, so for me, I, you know, I we had all these, we had very limited training when I was first getting into sales and it was basically, you just started hitting the phone. So then I would like look around and some people were making calls. Other people were kind of like waiting and researching. And I was like, I'm just going to start making calls. And after I make several hundred, like at some point, I'm going to know what I'm talking about. And so that's very much my style. And even when I start, new positions like um the company displayer i'm with that was the first thing i started doing was cold calling like i learn on the go and i just figure out my talk track as i'm talking to people i know for some people that's not what works well for them but for me that's the easiest way is just to jump right in and start learning as i'm talking to people because there's not like you can study as much collateral and all these like learning modules things like that but until you actually start talking to some prospects you're not going to really get a feel for like what those objections actually sound like and what clients are actually saying. So, um, so that's my advice is like, just start doing, and then you can iterate from there, or you can figure out what you gravitate towards. Like I have, I know people in my network who are very heavy on social. I would put myself in like the phone social category and email is actually my least favorite method of mm. communicating. So, you know, we're all different in that way. And I think you'll find that out as you start to test, but there's no way to collect that data until you start trying things out. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. Uh, I'm the same. I'm, I'm phone, social emails. Like, yeah, I do it, but it's not my favorite. Um, and so 
there, there's so many things there. I love that you talked about like, just, just jump in, get started. Like, I think the biggest thing I think, you know, people need to realize like, you're going to suck at it at first and that's yeah. totally okay. And you learn, right? So just like, like listen to your recordings, review your calls, just like I'm not a big sports guy, but just like, you know, they review the game, the, the game tape, you know, where could they have done better? That's, you know, same. If you view this as, is that level of commitment, like review your calls, look for opportunities to improve. Oh, I could have said that could have worked on my tone a little bit there. Um, there, there's so many pieces. I love testing new scripts too. Like, I don't like just, you know, Hey, this is, there's, everybody's looking for that silver bullet or like the golden script and it doesn't exist. It like doesn't conversations exist. are just way too dynamic to like, know that, when they say this, you say that, and this is going to work. And, and it's just not the case. Like you, you learn over time of building that muscle, when to say certain things or when to use certain tones based on how you got to be able to use certain tones and read certain tones as well. Yeah. And it's a great call out. Like the silver bullet thing is one of those that always rubs me the wrong way too. Cause, and be, people don't do it intentionally, but I get a lot of messages like that who are like, Oh, I listened to whatever podcast, like I heard you're like a cold calling maven, like what's, mm -hmm. what's the silver bullet? Like, well, it works. I'm like, I'm sorry to say that you're going to have to do a lot of cold calls. Yeah. And like, there is no silver bullet. Like the talk track changes. You have to be adaptable at who you're talking to. And mm -hmm. the same talk track that works really well on 50 people isn't going to work on the 51st necessarily. Like you, you have to iterate and that's part of this process. So I think rather than looking for these like easy answers and silver bullets, like for me, there isn't one. It's just like, if I put in the work, if I'm doing, if I'm continuing to learn, if I'm continuing to take coaching and also be able to listen back to some of my calls and figure out what I'm doing and improving upon that, like that's, I guess the silver bullet, but it's not the one that people are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. If they're asking for the silver bullet, you question if they even listened to the podcast, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where in there you would have heard me when I said yeah. I was doing like a uh, cold call box twice a week, like where the silver bullet was. But yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it is interesting. It comes up a lot. I saw Jason. Do you know Jason Bay? Yeah. Jason's uh, awesome. Jason was one of the first, one of the, not one of the first, maybe one of the earliest podcasts I did actually. Yeah. I, I really like Jason. Um, and he put a post out today talking about, you know, people basically psyching themselves out. And if you kind of mm -hmm. like view cold calling or prospecting, if you just kind of like switches, like what's the worst case scenario, which is like, they can say no or hang up on yeah. you. And that's like, not that bad, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm a big believer that, you know, it's what you say is probably way less important than not probably what you say is way less important than how you say it. Mm -hmm. uh, but also I'm a big believer that like, it's more your mindset and your mental toughness that you have uh, going into cold calling. That's going to really set you up for success, like more than anything else, because mm -hmm. people can sense if you're confident or you're not, or if you know what you're talking about or you're not, or you don't, or mm -hmm. you're really heavily relying on a script or not. Yeah. Um, people can sense those type of things. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think like to your, for your earlier question about like, what would I have wanted to know earlier on? I think too, like that it wasn't personal. Like I think when you're first starting out in sales, everything feels like a personal attack on you. Like someone says no. And they're like, you're like, they said no to me. Like they're turning me down. And in reality, like they might just be turning down that conversation that moment. Like I used to have, you mm -hmm. know, bad calls all the time. And then I call the same person two weeks later and end up booking a demo with them. Like people are in different moods at different times. So it's never personal. It's just, you know, they're saying no in that moment doesn't mean no forever. 
Um, but that's one piece I wish I would have learned a lot sooner than I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the thing with no is you can actually kind of shift your mindset on that a bit too. Um, because there's two different types of no's, right? There's like, no, with like a good reason. I have a contract, you know, Hey, we're totally happy, like never going to change or we buy this service from a family member or whatever. Like there's some no's with like a good reason where like, it doesn't matter if you totally nail the cold call, like you're not getting the meeting. Right. And, or there's a no where it's like, no, not interested, just brushing you off, which is a no without a good reason, which might just mean bad timing, maybe call back later, a little bit more nurturing, maybe some social touches. So there's two different types of no's. And if you, you view them in not a negative way, you can sort of change your mindset to not like take those so personally. You know, um, I like to view no's is actually a good thing. Like if somebody has no with like a really seriously good reason, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a win. Like I can now get them off my list because I'm super busy and I have a lot of people to help. And now I know that they're not one of them. Yes. I'm so impatient. So I want it, my yes or my no as fast as possible. And then if I get a no that to your point, that's like warranted makes sense. I'm like, goodbye. Like, great. I'm going on to the next. So that for me is I'm with you. Like that's a huge win. Like the worst is wishy-washy maybe that lasts for over the stretch of a year and you're always you know you just don't know and then you don't know i would much rather just have someone definitively tell me no with a really solid reason and Mm -hmm. then be able to focus my energy on the rest of my book so i'm with you there Mm, yeah i actually had somebody on the podcast that wrote a book called go for no Mm -hmm. Um, i have not read it i'm an audiobook guy and i've been it's on my list um but it's about just shifting that mindset and like actually going for the no kind of takes your mind off of like really being focused on going for the yes, right? Which is what everybody wants. And then you're like trying to force that yes, or you get, you know, really discouraged when you don't get it. So it's really shifts the mindset. I don't know. Have you heard of that book before? I have, I have not read it yet. Like you, I have a little bit of a cube backlog <laughs> built up right now. So I have to get through some, but I have heard of it. So I need to, um, I do need to read that one. Yeah, but it's an interesting mindset shift because we are so focused and preconditioned to just go for yes. And like a lot of the earliest sales trainings were not like we're really just getting into like more of the consultative, like relationship based selling in the last like three to four years, I think mm-hmm. truly here. before that, like that was really the premise of training. It was like, how can you literally steamroll people into saying yes? And that's yeah. how a lot of like sales literature and training was framed around. So that's made a lot of a shift in the last few years. But I think, you know, for many of us, that was a mindset uh, mindset shift too, that we felt like, oh, we're going to need to um, just get a yes, no matter what they say. And then they say the objection and you come back with your, you know, and then you turn it. And then what we found out was some of those people would end up saying yes. And then they would cancel those meetings later because we mm. just completely bulldozed them and weren't really yeah. listening to anything they said. So yeah, manipulating somebody into getting, you know, booking a meeting it's an opportunity that has no legs is just a waste of your time. Yeah. And it's tough because people have these activity quotas that they got to hit. Right. So it's like, I just got to get the meetings, got to get the meetings, got the, and so they're only focused on this meeting. It's like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. The goal is to just talk to some people and have some conversations to see if maybe possibly it makes sense to have another conversation. And if you focus on that, then it's easy to, it's, it's a lot easier to not get discouraged when you don't get those meetings. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. All right. So we talked about prospecting a lot. Our, <laughs> um, I want to shift gears a little bit here. You, you, something you said before we hit record was like, you're really big on like planning and, and managing your time, which, you know, I think the best, the most successful people that I know in sales have really mastered that piece. And it's a really important piece of like blocking those cold calling times, blocking that social selling time, blocking, you know, so talk me through like some of the things that you've picked up over time, some things that have really worked well for you. Yeah. So I'll, again, prep, I, I like to be very real in these conversations. Cause I hate when people are like, I'm perfect now. And I was perfect then too. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I don't like it. So I was super disorganized. Like when I, at least mm. my first few years in sales and like I would sell really well, but I always think back now and I'm like, how would I, how much more would I have sold had mm. I been more organized? So mine was kind of like my need to become more organized was really in response to acknowledging that there was a huge skill gap there. So, yeah. so that in the last few years took huge priority for me. And it was very hard to like restructure. I work out of tasks in Salesforce. So I'm like very meticulous on any given account. You'll see like five open tasks, five different contacts. You can see all my activity logged in there. So I'm like very um, data nerdy, like log everything. Um, mm. I do, we do as You're a every sales manager leaders, like dream, Mm, <laughs> I know people say that and then I'm like, and others, no, because then I also like, will think of like big ideas and then I want to like help them come to fruition. So mm. it, it's like 50, 50. Um, but I like to think so sometimes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so there's that piece of it. That's just like, how do I manage my day to day? And so I work out of like a task list. I also do a color coordinating system within my calendar. So I have like, um, basically uh, a like a task list that's in my my actual like outlook calendar as well and then like the the dark blue is for like i need to do this today period like no pushing this back then there's kind of like a, a mid blue that's like try to get it done today and then there's mm -hmm. like another that's like end of the week kind of like get to this when you can very low priority low urgency so that's kind of like my between those two that's like my daily kind of task list it's between salesforce and then my outlook calendar um, but that's like the main organization method um, that's helped me a lot because it's forced me to like, especially the color coding was really helpful because mm. you can't avoid it. Then you're staring at it all day and like you go to your meetings, you see it again. Um, so it just kind of forces me to actually complete the things that are on my checklist. Yeah. Nothing slipping through the cracks over there. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I bet you're like myself too in, in, in that you probably have an empty, empty inbox. I do. Oh my God. Zero inbox. Yeah. <laughs> and I will like lose my mind if I see it's, it's notification. Like there is no notification on my phone. I'm way too controlling for that too. Like I can't stand mm. seeing any kind of notification anywhere, but the one other thing, like we think about time management and one thing that nobody ever really talks about is like social and like mm -hmm. the time management with LinkedIn, for instance. So my new system that I worked out, which isn't that sophisticated is I get a lot of messages like during the day and a lot of them I want to respond to. Like some of it's like, I don't know, some of it's irrelevant. Um, but there are some messages from folks, like, especially like women who are getting their start in sales. And I really want to get back to them. Um, so I actually started like screenshotting the messages. And then at the end of the night, I go back through my screenshots and then I'll, I'll go and respond to all of those people. Um, so that's my new organizational system for, um, for LinkedIn that's working well right now. Oh, which is, again, I know. I used to do this, something similar. 
where I'd screenshot the messages on LinkedIn and then just email them to myself mm. because my email inbox, if there's something in there, it's a task. And then once mm -hmm. it's done, it's in its folder and it's gone and it's out of my hair. <laughs> uh, and I just wish LinkedIn would make the inbox easier to manage. Yes. And then we wouldn't have to have these weird hacks yeah. of trying to, you know, stay on top of messages in, in LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, or flag least, them. It's like an inbox. Like, couldn't you just flag them and then we can yeah, flag or create a task, <laughs> like create a task. Yeah, give on me a, a LinkedIn CRM message. <laughs> Be fantastic. Or integrate with a CRM other than Microsoft that nobody uses. That would be interesting. I know we have some ideas here. This is a separate, uh, we need to do a pitch together for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I found that actually if you have a suggestion or a complaint and you tag them and get enough people to comment mm -hmm. on it, then they sometimes move their ass and, and get things done. Cool. Okay. We'll think of some stuff, but yeah, that, that has been my hack for like inbox, but then I'm also trying the other thing with, with LinkedIn too, like I'm really trying to be religious about is like any posting I do is before work starts. So like, mm. I always do like 8 a.m. <clears throat> posts because I'm trying to like do it before I even start my work day. Then I yep. try to leave it alone, but it's hard for me. And then I'll kind of like hit it at lunchtime. I'll like kind of catch up, respond to people's comments a little bit. And then in the evening, like after work, I try to then like go back through and like thoughtfully respond. Like I'm one of those people that also responds to every single comment on anything. So yeah. um, that takes some time too. But I think that's like a piece of the time management for salespeople that is so infrequently talked about. But then mm -hmm. we're apt to also have like a really strong social brand and do all of this work on LinkedIn. So it's, it's pretty important too. Yeah. I actually block time for my LinkedIn activity in the morning on my calendar. If if I was using a color-coded system like you, it would be dark blue. Um, no, nah, maybe medium blue. Maybe maybe that, you know, light medium blue. Uh, so I block, you know, half an hour in the morning, LinkedIn activity. And then I typically engage and do comments and things like that in the evening. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm trying to like... I'm trying to keep it outside, but it's hard. It's like you want to respond to stuff where, you know, you're looking, you see something that could potentially be like a prospect. Do you want to jump on that quickly? So it is, it's difficult to not want to respond right away. And we're, you know, that instant gratification. Piece. Yeah. I mean, I find myself spending way less time in the main feed and just mm -hmm. in the sales nav feed. If you're diligent about the people that are like important to you and you want to engage with and you want to comment and you want to say something thoughtful, then just saving them on a list and then going into the homepage of the sales nav feed, boom, it's just going to give you everybody. And this is, they didn't have this before. I used to have a hack for this where I just had everybody that it was like important to me, like whether it was a relationship that I was nurturing, an active deal, a potential partner, um, you know, current client, whatever. Um, I had all of them on a Google sheet and then I would spend like 30 minutes a day just clicking their activity feed and then like commenting on their most recent stuff. Oh um, so now it's a lot easier, but there's still so many people I'm surprised that don't even know that this exists. And it's like, because you're never going to find the people that matter most to you by just scrolling through the main feed. And that's yeah. where it's really easy to just like get sucked into where you're like, Oh my gosh, I was only going to spend 10 minutes here. And it's like 30 minutes and I'm almost late for my next meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, what do you, what do you, what do you do as far as like, do you time block your social or like, do you have dedicated time for doing that? Is it mandatory? Do you skip it? Like, what does that look like for you as far as social selling for prospecting and engaging with folks? 
So social selling today, I don't necessarily, like I psychologically block it, but I'm not like physically putting it on the calendar. Um, I do, I guess I, I ad hoc do put, like I'll do like, uh, like a block of like two hours and I'll just do like social stuff for that two hours. So sometimes I do like those ad hoc blocks. The mm-hmm. blocks that I keep like consistently on my calendar are more the call blocks. So I'll have like a two and a half hour. We have a two, two and a half hour blitz on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a team. So that's mandatory. Like I don't book meetings within that. Like that's a time that I'm just calling. So like those are the things that I like actually mandate time for. And then I'll do the same thing. Like with emails, I kind of do add again. It's not my favorite form of communication, uh, but mm-hmm. I will do uh, like ad hoc blitzes for those two. Like if we have some some kind of uh, new feature that gets released and I think it's actually going to be really valuable, I'll either like go through and maybe I have a list and I look at like certain accounts where they have indicator like fields that indicated to me that that would be you know, an account that would want that feature or something along those lines. But then I'll do like a two hour blitz where I just kind of do emails and then like the body of it kind of stays the same. But then some, you know, part of it, I'm I'm then reconfiguring for folks, because I think that's another piece too. like with emailing that's always rubbed me the wrong way is we talk a lot about um, like the personalization. But I also think there's this piece of like personalization at scale, like we cannot expect, you know, SDRs to do a hundred like quality, well-crafted emails every single day um, consistently. Like at some point, you know, some part of that probably has to be templated. And then like that first line, for instance, you can kind of reconfigure or you could play with uh, the subject line and make it cater to those people. So I went way off on a tangent, but (laughs) but those are the areas that I block religiously. Social, I actually don't have like actual time blocks on my calendar typically. Mm, Okay, okay. And so um, anybody who's maybe just getting started or struggling with prospecting or top of funnel, what's like your number one tip for them? I mean, outside of just getting started is definitely tip number one. I think the more you like research and do all this other stuff, it's just you kind of get stuck and you, you don't end up going. So I think that's number one. But um, I think the other piece of it is... I don't know. It is hard. It's, it would be like, just get started, I think would be my tip. But I think the other piece is like, look around at your organization, start having some conversations. What the, the mistake sometimes people make is they'll go automatically to whoever the number one salesperson is or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may not be like your top demo setting person. You know, it, it may be, but it may not be. So like, look for the people who are consistently performing like month over month, quarter over quarter, and talk to them that are actually hitting some of those activity metrics and figure out like, what kind of messaging are they doing? Like have a conversation with them. That's, that's I think if I was lacking some of that confidence and getting stuck, that's where I would start. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Do you want to tell folks a little bit about the women in sales club and how they can learn more about that or any other final thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I know Gabrielle Blackwell was just a guest on your podcast, I believe just in the last few weeks here. So, um, so we co-host and I guess co-founded the women in sales club together It was really a passion project that started on the weekends via Clubhouse. And it was just going to be like a little conversation we were having Mm -hmm. Um, in a matter of like two ish months. We've amassed over 3000 members and followers. So it grew a lot faster than we were anticipating. Um, So we are going to now be, um, you know, starting to launch some live events, starting to do some other things. But we also meet consistently at 2 p.m. for two hours um, at Central Time on Saturdays every single week for different conversations. But 
the big um, the big piece about this group is we are really focused, obviously, on women in sales, but we also have a lot of male revenue leaders that are part of these conversations that are continuing to um, attend, listen, learn, discuss with us, ask thoughtful questions. Mm -hmm. So I think we're really excited to just kind of create this uh, small community and continue to have these conversations. And I encourage anyone to join. Awesome. And so where can they find out more about it? And is there a link we can drop in the show notes for them? Yes. So we just launched a LinkedIn page. Um, We set that up maybe like a week or two ago. So we can absolutely share that out. And then Clubhouse, if you're on there, if you just look up the Women in Sales Club, it's the same thing for LinkedIn and Clubhouse. But those are the two places now until we have a website at some stage. Awesome. All right. We'll drop the link for that in the show notes. Anybody who wants to learn more or join the conversation on Clubhouse. Alexa, thanks so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. If you're listening to the podcast and you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, write us a review and share with your friends. We're always listening for your feedback as well. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.